scene takes us to the fields outside of Bethlehem, to shepherds that were gathered with their flocks at night, going about their everyday business when God stepped into history and made an announcement that would change the world and change you and me forever. I am so glad you're here today as we walk through the story of the shepherds. My name is Mike. I'm the senior pastor here. And it's my privilege week in and week out to open the Bible with you, to learn and to grow together. And today as we open the Bible and we see the story of the shepherds, I hope that you're challenged, I hope that you're inspired, I hope that you're encouraged to take your next step, to believe the unbelievable, to find peace with God and to live at peace with people. It's going to be a great day as we walk through the Word of God together. And can I just say it's beginning to feel a lot like also would have accepted Memorial Day, but, you know, it's a South Texas Christmas. But as we walk through the story of the shepherds, it does feel like Christmas because this is the story of God, the story of the ages. As we see it unfold in Luke chapter 2, let's walk through it together. Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. So there was going to be a tax assessed, so they had to count the people to see who and what taxes would be paid. Verse 2, this is the first census that was taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. Now, why would Luke include this in the story of Jesus? Well, it's because these are real people in real places in a real time in history. When God entered into the world as a baby, when God sent his son to save us from our sins, he did it in a real place at a real time to meet a specific need that you and I could never meet on our own. And so as we study the word of God, we know that this is no myth. We know that this is no fable. We know that this is the truth because it's real people in real places at a real time. Luke 2, 4 through 7. Let's keep reading. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house in the line of David. Now, here's a miracle of Christmas that sometimes we can just blow through if we're not careful. The Old Testament promised that the throne of David and the reign of David will never, ever end. And we see Joseph's line is from David. We see Joseph's family includes David. And so the promise of God was delivered through the daddy of Jesus, the one who's raising Jesus, Joseph. Verse 5. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. Week 1 in Divinity Scene, we heard about this miraculous gift of God through Mary and the virgin birth. And then last week we heard about Joseph's decision to listen to God and to receive divine direction from him and to take Mary as his wife and to raise Jesus as his son. This is their story. Verse 6. 
While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger. Because there was no guest room available for them. This is the way. This is the story of our Savior's birth. I spent the weekend with my youngest. She's playing basketball, and it's so much fun to watch her learn and grow and to become who she is, and athletics is a part of that for her, and I love watching her play. And as we were driving back and forth to basketball tournaments, something came up, and I don't know where it came from, but she was like, Dad, tell me the story about the day that I was born. Tell me again. Tell me how you weren't home when mom was in labor. Tell me about how you were in California and the birth, like the labor pains began. And tell me how you're running through the airport in Chicago and saying, I'm going to get there. Just hold on. Just hold on. Tell me about how you made it, Dad. And so I recounted that story. And she was like, what would you even be thinking about going and speaking at another church in California when we lived in Virginia? Could you get any further away from mom in one of the most crucial times of her life? Could you do that, Dad? What were you thinking? So I looked back at her and I said, what were you thinking coming early? As a matter of record, that's the last time she's ever been early. And then she said, tell me the story of Nick's birth and tell me the story of Leah's birth. Each of my kids have a miraculous story of birth and so do yours if you've had children. But no story compares to the story that we read about here. Jesus being born, and there was no place, there was no hospital, there was no room for him. And so he's born in a manger, he's born in a stable, and they laid him in a feeding trough, wrapped in cloths. Luke 2, 8 through 12. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, and I love it, the angels always have to say, don't be afraid. Because when God's messenger comes and his message comes, we need confidence that we can, we're okay in that moment. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. Now remember, where was Jesus born? The town of David, Bethlehem. Why was Jesus born there? Because Joseph had come from the line of David, and there was a census, a tax. So he had to move from Nazareth in Galilee, 90 miles, to to Bethlehem, where Jesus would be born. They had to travel there. The town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He's the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And then Luke 2, 13 through 15. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. This was the angelic announcement. We saw an angelic announcement to Mary. With God, all things is possible, she said. We saw an angelic announcement to Joseph, and Joseph responded with obedience. Now we see an angelic announcement that opens the door for all people to have a relationship with God, for all people to experience his peace, for all people to know him. Glory to God in the highest heaven on earth, peace on earth to those on whom his favor rests. Verse 15, when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, The shepherds said to one another, 
Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. I love their faith. I love their response. Let's go. Let's see. That's what they did. 16 through 20. Let's finish it up. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what they'd been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. This is one of my favorite verses of all the Christmas accounts. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Can you imagine all that she had to ponder in her heart to that moment? She had to think about when the angel came to her and made the announcement that a baby would come of miraculous descent. She had to ponder the fact that when she visited Elizabeth, Elizabeth's baby jumped in her womb. She had to ponder the fact that she had a very awkward conversation with Joseph. And yet her husband-to-be responded with great faith and obedience and dependence upon God. She had much to ponder and much to treasure. And as those shepherds came, it was just another confirmation that the baby born in Bethlehem is like no other boy or no other girl ever born. He is the Son of God, the gift of God to the world. Verse 20. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and all that they had seen, which were just as they had been told. This angelic message was 100% accurate. This announcement that the Savior was born, and you find him in humble circumstances, was 100% accurate. And everyone was amazed when they heard that the Savior had been born. When I hear and read and study the story of the shepherds, this idea of coming and seeing what God has done, and then this drive to go and tell what God has done, jumps off the page. That when God says, this is happening, this has happened, when God says, I have a promise for you, we look and say, I'm going to go and see what God has done. We respond by faith and go and see what God has done. Many of you came to faith with that very come and see idea. Your friends told you what God was doing in their lives and you came and you saw just how good God is. And you said yes to him by faith. Many of you have walked through difficult seasons in life with this come and see idea because you see that God in faith in him works in others. And you look and say, I want that same faith even as a believer. This idea of coming and seeing what God has done is central to our life as disciples in Christ. Because God is always at work. And because God always delivers on a promise. And because God leads us and guides us in unmistakable ways. We must as believers come and see again and again and again and again what the Lord is doing. We must come and see again and again and again and again just how good God is. And then we like the shepherds must go and tell. We must, like the shepherds, be men and women and families who are open to sharing the unbelievable story of God through our lives so that others will be amazed and so that others will come and see just how good God is 
This angelic announcement in the fields wasn't just for the shepherds. It was for all of the world on whom his favor rests. And the message that God is building out in your life isn't just for you alone. It's for the world around you. It's for your friends. It's for your family. It's for those acquaintances. The people that you come in contact with on a day-to-day basis. The peace of God that you have received is the same peace of God that he offers to those who would believe. So today, as we look at this come and see and go and tell mentality, how can you and I do that? How can we be like the shepherds? Everyday people going about our everyday business. How can we let God's spirit lead us and guide us and point us not only to the Savior, but to a life where we are explaining and telling the story of God to others through our own lives and through our own words? Well, first, we've got to believe the unbelievable. The story that God invites us to believe, when you think about it from a natural man or woman perspective, It is an unbelievable story. The story of a virgin's birth, that's unbelievable. The story of God speaking to a man through a dream, that's unbelievable. The story of angels announcing peace on earth to shepherds, that is unbelievable. The story of one man dying on the cross so that all who believe in him could live forever with God in this place called heaven, that is unbelievable. But for us to see what God is doing and for us to share what God has done, we must believe the unbelievable. We must put our faith in the unbelievable story of Jesus Christ because here's what I know. There is a certainty that comes with faith that can be found nowhere else in the world. The reason I ask you to believe an unbelievable story is because the certainty that we can have of God's love and God's grace and God's gift and God's leadership in our life, the certainty that we can have with God by faith outweighs anything else we can think, outweighs anything else we can try and noodle with our own little brain. There is a certainty that comes with faith. So that's why we must believe the unbelievable. Listen to this, 1 Corinthians 1.18. Listen to how Paul described it. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Now, some will hear this unbelievable message and never believe it. They'll say it's foolishness. I want to look back at them and say, you believe in essential oils, but you don't believe in Jesus? Who's the foolish one? But for those of us who are being saved, for those of us who have put our hope and faith and trust in God, for those of us that have believed in Jesus for eternal life, this story is not foolishness. It is our power. And can I remind you that this isn't a one-touch experience that you have with Jesus. The day you believe is not the last time you, you trust in his power. It's not the last time you look at the cross and you say, that story is saving me. That story is my hope. That story is my power. That story matters. It's not the last day. It's the first day. Believer in Jesus, let me ask you, are you treasuring the story of God, the unbelievable story of God, like Mary treasured the scene with the shepherds coming to Jesus's, it's not even a bedside, 
to Jesus' trough side? Are you treasuring that story and still depending upon the unbelievable story of God's grace at work in your life? Because the things we treasure today will determine who and what we become tomorrow. So I just invite you, as you hear the unbelievable story again today, treasure it. There is a certainty that comes by faith. And as I look around Parkway Victoria today, I see people who are certain of God's leadership in their life because by faith, they have faced health issues. By faith, they have faced death and they are alive today. And they look and say there's a certainty that comes by faith. I look around at Parkway Victoria today, and I see people that have overcome relational challenges, and they by faith know that there's a certainty that comes in trusting God, even if you can't trust the one you said you would love the rest of your life. There is a certainty that comes in trusting God, so I will continue to put my faith in him. I will believe the unbelievable story. Christian, when you start settling for what you can understand to determine what you believe, you have stepped off obedience and dependence upon God. Believe the unbelievable. And then second, if we're going to live this come and see and go and tell life, obey immediately. What did the shepherds do when they heard the announcement? They said, let's see this thing that the Lord has told us. And then they hurried off. They hurried off. I don't know what they did with their sheep. I don't know what they did with their flocks that they were protecting, that they were feeding. But like the disciples whom Jesus called dropped their nets and followed him immediately, so too did the shepherds. So too did these men in the field. So it begs the question, are you in a hurry to obey God? They hurried off. I would think shepherds wouldn't be in a hurry to do most anything. I would think shepherds might mosey off. I would think shepherds might wander off. But what did they do? They hurried off to obey. This come and see, go and tell life that we see in the shepherds requires obedience. Immediate obedience. John 14, verse 15 The one that the shepherds came to see would later say these words, the words of Jesus. If you love me, keep my commands. Our love for Jesus is linked to our obedience. Our love for Jesus as believers is linked to our ability to obey, and as the shepherds did, to obey immediately. John 15 verse 14 says this. You are my friends if you do what I commanded. So my question, are you in a hurry to obey God? Or are you hiding from God? When peace on earth was announced to the shepherds, they hurried off. They said, let's go see what God has done. When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, The very reason that Jesus had to come to pay the price for the sin that was committed by them and committed by us. The very reason he had to come when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. What did they do? They ran and hid. 
shame and guilt entered into the world. And they hid. Jesus has come to you and to me so that we don't have to hide anymore when we fail. Jesus has come for you and for me so that we don't have to run and hide, but instead, by the power of his grace, the unbelievable story of God, by the power of his grace, we don't have to hide from God. We can hurry to obey him. By the power of his grace, we don't have to think we're an enemy of God because we're his friend as we obey. We're his friend as we follow. They obeyed immediately. And then last... This come and see and go and tell life. We spread the word. We spread the word of what God has done in us. And this is amazing to other people. When's the last time you shared the story of God's activity in your life and somebody was just like, wow, I can't believe how good God is to you. And then you look back at them and you say, get this. God is that good to you too. They say, wow, look at how God has taken care of you. Look at how God has saved you. Look at how God has rescued you. Look at how God has blessed your life. And you look and say, this is offered to all because there were these shepherds in a field and angels made this announcement and the baby was born. And the reason that I am blessed and the reason I am who I am today isn't because of me. Don't be amazed by me. Be amazed by the baby who was born in Bethlehem. I'm really surprised that some of y'all didn't amen when I said, don't be amazed by me. <laughs> it's pretty easy for you to do that, Mike, because there's nothing amazing about you. I completely agree. It's easy for me to point people to Jesus because it's not about me, it's about him. When's the last time God used you to spread his word? When's the last time you talked about who you were? Before you knew Jesus. Man, the radical change that comes when we, by faith, trust in Christ. When's the last time that you said, here's who I was and here's who I am now because of Jesus? When's the last time, even in a small group or in a gathering of other believers, when you gave God 100% credit for something going on in your life, good or bad? When's the last time you used your story to spread his story? Because this come and see and go and tell mentality is something that we must pick up and we must live out. This Christmas season, I encourage you, it's a natural time for you to tell others about what God's doing in your life. It's a natural time for you to be like a shepherd who sees what God has done and shares it spreads it to other people. This is how the story of Jesus spreads. Not only in our day and age, but since Jesus was born and after his death, the greatest way that we can impact lives in the crossroads together is by sharing our personal story of Jesus. You are his body. You are his messengers. We together get to remind the world that God loves them, gave his son for them, and has changed us, not because of who we are, but because of what Jesus has done. This is what we share, that one man died in our place and was raised again from the dead.
This is what we share, that faith in him works and changes things. This is what we share, that our lives can be forever different because of our faith in Christ. This is what we share. God offers peace between himself and us. And God offers peace between us and each other through Jesus Christ. And today is a way to come and see just how good God is. And today is a way to go and tell the world what God has done. We're going to share communion together at each of our campuses. And so at the end of your row, there is a basket that's, that holds our communion elements. If you could distribute those elements down your row. And just as you pass these elements across our church, this is how we share the message of God with others. Moving and going and spreading what God has done in our lives. That communion cup that you hold is the story that we share. That wafer that you will hold in just a moment. Y'all are going at it right now, aren't you? Y'all are like, wow, well, that's great. Sermon and snacks. <laughs> that wafer that you hold is a reminder that Jesus died on the cross for us. And that cup that you hold is a reminder of Jesus' blood being shed for us. And that his once and for all offering has made us right with God. So as you hold those elements, I want you to prepare to come to the Lord's table. We're going to have a time now of prayer. We're going to have now a time of commitment. And you can use this time to prepare to come to the Lord's table. And during our next time of worship, we will come together at each of our campuses and take those elements together. But you hold those elements now and you say, God, remind me of what you did for me. And God, help me look forward to your return because that's what we do when we take communion. We remember and we look forward. We look back and we look ahead because of what God has done for us. And like shepherds, we will come and see what God has told us about. And we will go and tell the world what Jesus has done. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the chance to open the word today and to be challenged by it. God, help us to be men and women who are committed to seeing just how good you are on a daily basis. To be committed to come and see again and again and again and again that your power is at work in our midst. And God, help us be people that go and tell that aren't ashamed of the gospel, that aren't scared to share, that aren't limited by our own understanding, but instead we go and play our part to tell others about Jesus. Church, as we pray, maybe there's somebody you need to invite to church and you need to even text them and say, hey, let's go to Christmas Eve together, five o'clock Parkway. Maybe there's somebody you've been praying for and you just need to pray right here and right now for that person. And as you hold those elements, maybe their church is a sin that you need to confess or a commitment that you need to make to the Lord. We don't want to come to his table in an unworthy manner, so we prepare for it. 
If you've never believed in Jesus for life, I invite you to make today your day. If today's your day to believe, you've heard the story. God sent his son to pay the price for your sin. The baby born in Bethlehem was a man who died on the cross 33 years later. To prove that he's God, he was raised again from the dead. The tomb is empty so that we can have a full life and life forever with him in heaven. If today's your day to believe that you're a sinner who needs a savior, the Lord Jesus says, the only response I look for is your faith. If today's your day, let's mark it with a prayer. You can pray. Jesus, I believe. I believe that I'm a sinner who needs a savior and that you are the savior of the world. Thank you for dying for me, for giving yourself for me. Thank you for forgiving me of my sins. Today, I believe. Thank you for giving me life. As we continue to pray, if today was your day to believe, I want you to do something. I want you to tell that friend that brought you, I want you to use a response card in front of you. Let us know what God's done. Or maybe the best thing you can do is stop by the information center at your location and pick up a new believer's kit. There's a Bible and some other free resources to help you get growing. As we take communion, if you aren't a believer yet, I just ask that you watch worshipers worship through communion. This is an act of faith. It's not an act of religion. So watch worshipers worship if you're not a believer yet. And ask God to give you faith. And ask God to open your heart and soften your heart to the unbelievable message that God loves you and gave his son for you. Father, as we give you our lives, we also prepare to give you our offering. Help us to give freely and generously of both. We pray in Jesus' name.